inconsiderate were Arsenal yesterday. If only they would have told us that they were going to put in a top European performance. We didn't have to sweat for 24 to 48 hours waiting for that game if they'd have told us that we'd have been 3-0 up at half-time. Welcome to PNH Expanded with Mike McDonald. Just wanted to go over what um, uh, I wrote in my blog this morning. Uh, just expand on on some of the more important points. Dig a little deeper. So, first of all, the sliding doors moment. Uh, I always think that there is that sliding doors moment in every game. Uh, most of the time it's during the game. This time I felt it was before the game. I felt that uh, Mikel Arteta made a crucial choice that I didn't think he was going to make. He often uh, tinkers and overthinks, I feel, especially when he's coaching against somebody that he wants to impress. And he picked essentially the same team, you know, with Martinelli and Smith-Rowe exchanging there. But uh, the same team, same structure, essentially. And I thought that was the key moment in the game because there was something about that team against Sheffield United, even though Sheffield United are not a, a top team, it just clicked. They worked together. And ultimately, football being a team sport, it's more important that the team is the focus, not the individual. So uh, kudos to Mikel Arteta for, for doing that. Uh, also, before the game, it seemed to me that what was practised was you know, working against the high line. And he'd seen it before, the week before. And the distances, as I said in my, my piece this morning, were almost perfect, especially in the first half. The defensive distances uh, between the Arsenal uh, block and the Slavia players, just enough to tempt them. And as again, as I said in my piece this morning, that I thought was the most important piece of the entire game um, because Slavia couldn't get out. They were tempted and baited and, uh, and that I felt was the sliding doors uh, moment of the game. Moving on, wanted to pick up on uh, what's, well, I guess what happened at the start of the game. Uh, before kickoff, uh, I remember uh, a couple of days ago, I think it was now, listening to the excellent Peter Crouch podcast and uh, he was talking with his friends about uh, what happened in the locker room before the games that would give them incentives to, to play harder, better. And uh, he talked about the importance of not goading your opponents and that he had to make sure personally uh, moving into games that he he wouldn't do that and uh, that his teammates were told to not do that because that's the fodder that the opponent needs um, to just capitalize and give them that extra you know 10 15 20 percent of enthusiasm going onto the field and i don't know what slavia prague were doing um you know i felt that was hugely disrespectful from them uh, but also, I think that uh, Arsenal players just took that personally and it gave them that extra. Strange choice, that one. I also want to comment on Mr. Danny Ceballos. Danny Ceballos is, as I said again this morning, uh, he's making me fall back in love. I try not to. I still think that we should part ways. I think. But I think Danny Ceballos is at the point now where He's gaining a thing. Each player has a thing, a, 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 a talent, a, something that stands out when you think about them. And this is the second game running that he's 
done multiple moments of deception that have opened the field up. On top of that, if you look at his numbers, he's regaining the ball week in, week out with higher numbers than most of the other players, and it's not been spoken of. So I've just got to give him credit there that he's developing both offensively and defensively a thing, something to attach to his name, a reason why Arsenal might be interested in retaining him. Still don't think they, that, that they will or, or that they really should because I think he's built for a different league. But it's interesting. Bucky Osaka. Okay. He needed those two moments. The moment when he hit the post inches away and then that finish. I know it was the parting of the waves and the Slavia defence were playing individual. Uh, but he really needed those moments and I feel like there's a couple of things that I've noticed with him uh, I've noticed that he started to stop thinking or at least I perceive it that way and you know if you're a natural finisher or you're going through a bad time I suppose you just need to sometimes turn your brain off and let your instincts take over also I would uh, uh, you know I noticed that he uh, has gone back to accuracy you don't ever have to tell a striker to uh, hit a ball with power but often you know, you wish you could have the shot back and uh, just wish that you'd have accuracy over power. So, you know, if you think about that again, don't have to be told to hit the ball with power. You never see a ball just dribble to a goalkeeper unless you're Alex Awobi. But um, you often have to be reminded that accuracy is far more important than power. And I feel like uh, Saka's turned his brain off. The accuracy is becoming more important. Looks like he's been practising that. Pepe. Is Pepe? Is Pepe a bigger threat from the left? He hasn't done it as much. But he's getting easier chances to shoot on his left foot. Easier chances to cross. But beyond that, when he's on the right, you know, he tends to delay. His first touch is sloppier. Um, he seems to attract a crowd. And I feel that the left leans into his strengths more. Um, and also, we've got to be honest about Pepe in the regards to Saka. Saka's going to play on the right, I would imagine, more than any other position. And so if we want to retain Pepe, maybe the left is where he, he needs to belong. And he looks quite deadly. And as a personal preference as a coach, I just prefer to have a left on the left and a right on the right on certain occasions when the fullback isn't so quick and you can beat him on the outside, cut in, cut him off. And that's just one of the easiest ways to, to produce goal-scoring moments if you can get your hips turned. So I'm thinking that, that that's something that we need to lean into a little more. All right, the contracts. Alex Lacazette, Granite Shacker and Danny Sabias. Danny Sabias doesn't have a contract with us, but we've talked about that. That's an interesting decision for Arsenal in the summer. Uh, but Lacazette, I'm wondering, um, am I falling back in love again? Uh, again, trying not to. But as much as you see him as deficient, and I see him as deficient in certain areas that you'd want your striker to have, and I have a real issue with his movements inside the box, I cannot deny that he is one of the better Premier League strikers in regards to fitting into certain systems of play. So my thought is that be it Martinelli or Balogun or they bring another striker in, perhaps 
he's worth retaining as a second second choice striker. There'll be times where he's the first choice striker and maybe that would give, you know, the new guy time to, to bed in. You've got a, a veteran there who's working well with the team, but the future is not his. Um, and just like, moving on to Xhaka, same thing really. I don't see Xhaka as the future of the Arsenal central midfield, but maybe he gets another contract um, like Lacazette just as long as he's okay with being a rotational option. There's a, obviously a, a role for him at left-back uh, if he's not up against a whippet of a forward. And uh, his uh, positional play and, and the blend that he has with Mikel Arteta's coaching style seems almost perfect, to be honest with you. Uh, there's very few players that I, seem to, I think seem to fit their coach as well as he does Arteta. Um, you know, we can often see our team as somewhat robotic, but Arsenal are who they are under Mikel Arteta and, and he's, um, he's an overcoacher. Um, and right now it's working for us. And Xhaka is an instructions guy. Uh, you give him instructions, he seems to flourish. And so I'm wondering if Alex Lacazette and Granit Xhaka in particular need to be retained because they fit Mikel Arteta and they fit what he's trying to do. And I'm trying to ignore the fact that I'm not a huge fan of either of them as individual players, because that's not as important, if that makes sense. Next thought, the right-back situation. I've been hesitant to talk about this because I'm really a big fan of Tarek Lamptey. I think that Arsenal could really do with having um, a real problem child for the other team on the right side, like they do Kieran Tierney on the left side. Somebody you have to take into consideration if you're the opponent in the locker room. Um, the right-back is so dangerous that you can't ignore him. And Arsenal already have many players that the other team would have to take into consideration. And how great would it be if Tarek Lamptey or somebody similar, Hakimi Ashraf, would, uh, would be a conversation for the other team? But we're not flush with money. Uh, Santa Claus may come this summer, but I'm not sure that his sack is going to be too large. And so is it better that we spend on maybe a better level of player and just uh, work on our midfield and keep Callum Chambers and Cedric Suarez as our right-back options? I'm not entirely opposed to that. Um, I'm not convinced by it, but I do hope for something like a Basuma and Gisa, Buendia, and then Odegaard, if we could purchase those four players or, or maybe get Odegaard back on loan, is that a better use of our resources and, and maybe we invest in a right back further down the line, be it January or the next year? Just throwing thoughts out there, just just throwing thoughts. Not convinced either way, but starting to really appreciate Callum Chambers and see the huge benefit to his defensive game over most other fullbacks. Um and, and of course, the timing of his runs offensively is, is quite something. Last thought I wanted to share with everybody was, uh, what's next? What's next moving forward? We've got two things that, um, considering uh, now that i am got over all my nerves um, and uh, excited about the future again. Uh, so what's next? Well, first of all, I really want Arteta to not overthink, um, not overthink starting this weekend. 
I know you can't pick the same team every single week, but this system that he's got in place with key pieces there, some of them are somewhat interchangeable in some regards. Pepe Saka, if you want some rotation. Uh, Gabriela Mari. Lacazette and Martinelli, perhaps. Uh, Chambers and Cedric. Um, so I'd really like to lean into this this team that he played against Sheffield United and essentially played yesterday as well and as a team again just played so well and I don't want to see a different formation a different version different players yet without um, exhausting them to gentle rotation I really feel we've got to lean into what we've got going here because this has been very very good this is two away games on the trot that we've gone and scored, was it seven goals? And again, I know the opposition's not great, but it was what I saw was beyond that. I just saw a fluidity. So, love to lean into that. Um, and then my last thought as to what's coming next is uh, just a small prayer. Mikel Arteta, please don't overthink against Unai Emery. I've seen it before when you come up against Pep Guardiola, David Moyes. Coaches that you respect or, or know personally. The Unai Emery Mikel Arteta thing is going to be really pumped up in the press. And I do not want our coach to overthink and try to impress Unai Emery. He just needs to do what he's been doing recently. Focus on us. Keep his eyes on what's working. And try not to overthinker. Because... If we can keep this going, we have a true chance of not only winning a European, <clears throat> pardon me, a European trophy, but getting that Champions League money and, uh, and recognition back again at Arsenal Football Club. I appreciate you listening. I love your feedback. Cheers.